0: Welcome to Jesus Without Religion. I'm Mike Sinar, your host, and I'm glad you're joining us today as we discover Jesus through the filter of grace. If you are a Christian, you are about to see the love of Christ like you've never seen before. Never again will you fear God or feel that you are inadequate or not deeply loved by Him. We know some people call that a license to sin, but as we go through this series, you're actually going to find out that soaking in God's kindness and total forgiveness of all sin, yes, all sin, is the only prescription that will actually lead you away from the disease of sin. So I am super excited uh, to announce this today. We're starting a we're going to do a study verse by verse chapter by chapter in the book of Hebrews. This this by far this is my favorite letter that I love to teach from. I'm telling you it is one of the most totally misunderstood mistaught letters in all of scripture. Uh and I'm telling you if you'll stick with this you're going to love this. You're going to realize wow this isn't something that's supposed to be scaring the heck out of me. This is actually an encouragement for me. Boy, why are, you're going to wonder, I believe, why are there so many intelligent um, leaders and pastors and deacons, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and people misteaching uh, this letter, uh, written to Hebrews, right? You got to ask yourself, like, I mean, you've been to seminar. and How is it you walk away concluding that this is a threat to Christians? I promise you, stick with me. You're going to be asking these questions. So wh- what's the first thing? What have you probably been told? You know, if you're like most people, you've been told that uh, Hebrews was written to not just unbelievers, but a lot of believers, Uh, And we'll talk about that. Um, You've been told maybe that this letter, well, it's for you, you know, the Christians. So you better beware because God has a lot of threats in this letter for you. But is that true? Here's what I'm telling you you're going to discover. You're going to discover, first of all, that this book was written to Jewish people. What do we know about these Jewish people? Well, we're going to discover, well, yeah, they heard the gospel, but here's something. They have not made the decision to receive Jesus Christ, okay? Instead, they run back to the law for cleansing of sin, right? The writer is literally giving these Hebrews a logical reason based on their own Old Testament scriptures. He's given them a logical reason to abandon the law, the old covenant, and grab on to the new covenant which is reflection which is reflective of Jesus Christ. Now it's important. Very important. If you get nothing else, I need you to get this. As we go through the first 10 chapters of Hebrews, I'm challenging you. I'm telling you what you're not going to see is even one reference to outward sin. 10 chapters, you're not going to hear about lying, adultery. You're not going to hear about people who are stealing, coveting, and cheating. No mention of any kind of outward sin. What you're going to find is there is this kind of sin mention, and in 10 chapters, it's only one kind. The only thing you're going to hear about when the writer refers to sin, it will be unbelief. The sin of denying Jesus, and it is inward sin. Please keep that in mind as we go through this because that's going to totally redefine how you actually start looking at this letter written to the Hebrews when you recognize what kind of sin is this author writing about. And when you get this, that it's all about inward sin, the sin of unbelief, it will flip what you believe upside down every time you hear someone teach from this letter. It will make you cringe. You will struggle to just be able to sit down and listen to someone try to guilt trip you into feeling dirty and distant from God or let alone to try to make you feel afraid that God is going to get you if you don't obey this particular passage, which is not written to you. So let's start with this. I want to read this first out of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 19. He says, "Why?" Paul writes, why then the law? It was added because of transgressions, having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator, until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made now why is that important well it's because jesus ordained the new covenant angels ordained the old covenant not jesus not god very important that we understand this and this is what something you're going to find the writer needs you to get to We're going to discover that Jesus is greater than the angels. You know that. Well, when you connect these dots, you realize, okay, well, if Jesus is greater than the angels, and we're supposed to look at this picture of who ordained the new covenant, Jesus. Then why is it important that we see that the new must be greater than the old if the old was ordained by angels? What am I talking about? Again, this is a logical reason to completely let go of the old covenant and grab on to the new one. And that's the heart of the writer who's addressing the Hebrews. So let's just dive right in. Again, I love this. I've got to be honest with you, I'm super excited about this this chapter here and I can't wait. Uh, I hope you guys get so hooked after just chapter one that you're going to hang with us through all the chapters written to the Hebrews. All right, so what's this? Verse one, he says, In the past, well, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets Uh, at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, well, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. So in the Old Testament, God spoke to us through people like Jeremiah, through Daniel and Isaiah. But today, God is speaking to all of us through Jesus, right? So you know this. But he's telling this to the Jewish people who are all about their Old Testament, right? They're all about these Old Testament scriptures. And they're going to get this. Unfortunately for us, we're looking at this after the fact. I think they would get it a little better than some of us on this side of the cross do who get to read the Bible in its entirety, all the scriptures, old and new. So then we get to verse three. He says, the son... is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, check it out, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Now you remember under the old covenant, (laughs) priests were not sitting down. They weren't allowed to sit down because well, sins were constantly being dealt with. Why do you think it's important that the author tells us, hey, this Jesus, when he was done providing purification for sins, he sat down. Well, let's peek forward into this letter because the writer actually tells us why Jesus sat down. Right? It's It comes in verse 11 and 12. He says, every priest stands daily ministering and offering. What do they do daily? They stand daily. All of them do. Ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can, and I quote, never take away sins. Now this is to the Jewish people. Those sacrifices can never take away sins, but he, referring to Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, well, what did he do? He sat down at the right hand of God. In other words, the law and endless sacrifices never, ever, ever really took away sin. But Jesus dies one time on a cross, and it's representative and it's the payment for all sin. Here's the news flash it worked. So while other priests are standing, endlessly day after day, Jesus kicks back in his chair, if you will, symbolically speaking, and he sits down. Why? Well, because it worked. So what we see here is two priests. We see a sort of a competition, if you will. We're illustrating two different contracts. It's a representative of two different results. One always stands and the other immediately sat down. Now, it's a fair question, I mean, if you're a Christian today, are you standing with these Old Testament priests? I mean, what covenant are you buying into? Or have you sat down and relaxed and rested with Jesus Christ, our New Testament priest? Again, what do we have going on here? A logical reason to abandon the Old Covenant and grab onto the new one that God has so freely given us. We're trying to get right with God, many people are, by rules. And that is a Jewish man's problem. That is not our problem. As Gentiles, you know, we don't have the law uh, as a means of getting right with God. Um, We only have Jesus, and that's it. And some say, I don't know about that. I'd say, okay, well, let's read Romans 2.14. For Gentiles who do not have the law, well, instinctively do the things of the law, these not having the law, they're a lot of themselves. Let's look at Ephesians. By the way, who's Romans written to? Gentiles. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Who are Ephesians? They're Gentiles. And he writes this Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope, and you were without God in the world. So under the new, sins are forgiven, they are completely washed away, taken away, however you want to call it, they've been paid for, and there no longer remains a sacrifice. It's finished. Some some say, well, we're not under this law, this Jewish law for salvation, but you know what? We still need it for daily living. That's our guide. That's what shows us right from wrong. But we're not taught that in the scriptures. And that certainly is not the gospel message. Let's move forward. We get to verse 4 and 5. He says this So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs, the son superior to angels. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son? Today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. What's the point? Jesus is superior. Again, remember the angels ordained the law, not God, not Jesus. Very very important we get this. We look at this law like it's God's law. I'm like, well, it's actually not looked at that way. It was ordained by angels. God intentionally did not ordain this law or have Jesus to it. And you're going to see this really get unpacked in a big way soon. So as we continue to move through this study, uh, Jesus himself ordained the new covenant. God took absolutely no part in delivering the old. And it is not a mistake. And the letter is going to really, I think it's going to really drive that point right in our face where we can't deny it. So Hebrews then, chapter 1, verses 6 and 8, he says this, And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. And speaking of the angels, he says, He makes the angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever as a scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. So the angels worship Jesus. They were messengers sent to do good. Jesus is a whole lot more than a messenger, friends. He is the king of all creation. And again, the Jewish readers they would got what was, they would get what was being said to them. The point is, why go back to something that was ordained by angels when they've got something better, a better covenant for them, founded on better promises, as we'll discover in Hebrews chapter eight, verse six. Continuing on to Hebrews, verse nine, chapter one, verse nine it says, "You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness." Therefore, God, your your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Jesus is above the prophets, right? He's above angels. He's above all companions. So I want, again, I like to fast forward sometimes because I think when we get to peek ahead a little bit, it sometimes can really help us to digest some of this stuff a little bit better. Um. actually, hang on, let's, da, 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 da. let's pop actually first to Hebrews 1 verse 10. This is what it says, 10 through 12 actually. It says, he also says, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you will remain the same, and your years will never end. So, what? Jesus' years, duh, right? Will never end. Under the old, every priest died, all of them. They were nothing, right? Compared to Jesus. Likewise, they are a picture of the law. So let's sneak get a little sneak peek at Hebrews chapter seven, so we can make sure we we can connect some dots, and we don't have to wait to connect these dots. So Hebrews chapter seven, verse twenty four and twenty five, he says this. But Jesus, but Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues forever, some version says because he lives forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them so saved forever not this funky idea when you if you just you gotta first confess and you gotta beg and cry a little bit and then you'll get your salvation back that teaching is horrible not anti-confession. I think confessing simply means agreeing with God that sin is bad. No problem if, if you know you choose to confess your sins to God. I think that can be very, very healthy, but that's not how we get forgiveness. That's not what activates the forgiveness of sin. Jesus dying on a cross did that, and you receiving him did that, okay? So you are saved forever. That doesn't get undone if you have some so-called unconfessed sin or even unrepented sin, I'm not in any way implying that we should not confess or should not repent. This, that's crazy talk. Don't hear what I'm not saying, right? Saved forever because Jesus Christ lives forever and he intercedes on your behalf forever. And I don't mind saying without blood, we're going to read this in Hebrews 9 verse 22, without blood, specifically the blood of Christ, there is no forgiveness of sin. That's what's given you the forgiveness. Your faith in Jesus' death on that cross, his blood, is what activates your forgiveness. Not your many words, not your begging, and not your repenting. That would be a slap in the face of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, saving us through faith, through grace, lest anyone boast. Um, So Hebrews chapter uh, chapter 1, we're going to read verses 13 and 14. Sorry, guys, I'm flipping around a little bit here. He says, But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? So angels, they're sent out to render service for salvation, but they still are not the son of God. They're just angels. And I don't mean that disrespectful in any way. God, you gotta love angels. They're amazing, right? But they're angels. They're not Jesus. So we don't wanna miss the point. I think we need to read the first two verses in chapter two. They go together, if you ask me, right? So let's, again, we're fast-forwarding here. Listen here, what it says. Hebrews chapter two, which we'll be covering in our next study, verses one and two, He says, for this reason... For this reason, all that stuff I just got through saying in chapter one, for this reason, we must pay closer attention to what we've heard so that we don't drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels, if that proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received the just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect such great a salvation. Look, in other words, he's saying, if you messed up under this weaker covenant ordained by angels, you got death. It was that serious. It was unalterable, and every sin got a just penalty. So the Jewish reader here, if that was the case of a covenant ordained by angels, The Jewish guy gets it. How do you think, how in the world do you think you will escape the covenant ordained by Jesus Christ himself? How will you escape a covenant that was not animals dying in their blood? It was the son of God and his bloodshed. Good luck. If you you think if you ignored the first one, the first covenant, and you're going to ignore the second one, And this is what these Jewish people are doing. And again, the writer's giving them a logical reason. You better be very careful. You think the law is it? You've missed it. You've read about Jesus Christ. Here he is, your old scriptures point to him. And now here he is, and you've got a new covenant founded on better promises that will actually take away your sins. And you say, no, you've tasted it. You've been made partakers. It's not a good idea, Mr. Jewish man. So the takeaway from this First chapter, it's remember, what did we get? We know that Jesus is greater than the angels. Duh. But again, why is he making the point? That's what you have to keep in mind. The law was ordained by angels, right? And we uh, paid great attention, right? The Jew, we, meaning I'm sorry, the Jewish people, we weren't alive, but I guess we still do to this day. Many people do, paid great attention to that law. Well, how much greater attention does the new covenant deserve? Because under the old, right, those priests still stand, they would, they stand and sins were counted against you. But under the new, what happened? Well, I'll tell you what happened. This priest sat down, right? He sat down and he washed away our sins as far as the west is from the east, remembered no more, forgiven once for all. Folks, that ends our first study in Hebrews chapter 1. I hope you guys absolutely enjoyed this study. I promise you're going to love going through this series with us. In the meantime, just keep in mind, Hebrews 1 is about this. We're giving you a logical reason to let let go and trust Jesus. Don't look at your human performance. Don't look to this behavior as a means of of getting closer to God. That's an Old Testament Jewish man's problem. Jesus has absolutely rescued us. And this is what God wanted the Jewish people to know. And we're gonna unpack that because you're gonna find out that's what God wants you to know, that you're free to rest in Jesus. God bless you all.